everyone, welcome back to Lightline Podcast. And in this episode, we have a little bit of a special treat. We're taking a brief intermission from our critical question series that we've been running for the last couple of weeks. And as some of you may or may not know, if you follow either of us on Instagram, our very own Dakota Jacobson, he had the privilege of a lifetime. He got to go over to the Holy Land over this past Christmas break. And so we thought it'd be cool to just sit down and have a brief discussion. Dakota's going to share some of the things that he got to do and see while he was over there. And um, we thought it'd just be cool to share it with you guys. So Dakota, take it away. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, so like Chris said, I, uh, I had a kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, an opportunity came up for me to be able to to go over uh, to Israel, and uh, by the grace of God, I had the PTO available uh, and all that, so I was able to work out um, just fine. Yeah, it was. I mean, you hear about you know about Israel, and, and I'm sure we all know people um, you know who have gone and they come back and they talk about their experiences and it's life changing and and all this. And um, it, it's always hard for me to kind of pinpoint with them, like, okay, what about what specifically is is so impactful about about the trip, right? What is it about that trip that really um, you know, and, and it's always kind of like, oh, it's just so, you know, amazing and to be there is so great. And it's not until that, I think until you go there and, and can kind of like see for yourself is when you sort of understand, okay, now I understand why they were kind of at a loss for words because it's, as a country itself, it's a truly kind of indescribable country. I didn't really know what to expect geographically in terms of, um, you know, the, the terrain or the weather, things like that. But you don't understand Israel is a, it's a very small country, but the way that it's situated geographically, they have like every major climate within just a couple of hours of each other. So you, we flew into uh, to Tel Aviv. Um, Tel Aviv is right off the coast. So it's a very like coastal city. You almost feel like you're in like Florida or California. Um, you know, you see palm trees and just really beautiful place. And then you go up North and they have like ski resorts I mean, we're talking about like a couple of hours difference in between these two spots, um, you know, and so then you drive south and it gets a little bit warmer, but then you, you know, cause you're, now you get by the Dead Sea and it's lower sea level um, or below sea level. And then you go up to Jerusalem and it's going up and things like that. Um, so that's the first takeaway I think for me was that just any, any image of Israel that you have in your mind of just thinking about rocky terrain and just desert, take it out. Um, because they definitely have elements of that. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, it's it's there are rolling hills, some of the greenest grass I've ever seen, some of the fattest cows I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, so it was it was a truly beautiful place in that respect. Um, diving into some of the sites specifically, there's something about, and, and I guess this is probably one of the the first kind of practical takeaways from this because I don't want to just talk about my trip and, and recap that. I want to make sure that this is something that's beneficial and invaluable for the listener. Being able to to read the Bible, standing in the location that the Bible is talking about, there's something so um, powerful about that. You know, obviously we uh, we talked about in depth. Um, on, on the validity of the Bible, we talked about the archaeological aspect. That was a, a huge piece of our, you know, kind of proof text, in a sense. If you haven't listened to those episodes, I highly recommend them. Um, it's a little bit long, but, but I think it, it packs uh, a lot of meat in there. Um, but being able to, to read about, you know, the, the, what happened on the Sea of Galilee, as I'm, we're, as I'm literally on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and we're looking around, and I'm, 
you know, there it's like it's like pinch yourself because you were literally on the sea. Um, I think that is something that that is so powerful, so impactful, and and by the grace of God, I think it's something that He has put into His Word um, to enable us to to just have further confidence, right? Just like the cherry on top. Um, what I will say, and 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 Chris, I'm going to kind of pose this question to you because I want to see what you think about this, um, and and I think I have my my answer to it. But something that I noticed as we got to some of these locations, a lot of the Bible is very general about locations, right? So it'll talk about um, something happening on the the base of the Mount of Olives or on the Sea of Galilee or um, you know the, um, the Garden of Gethsemane, things like that. So we know that there's within probably a half a mile to a mile area where these things took place, but we don't, it doesn't pinpoint a specific location. Um, I think there's probably a lot of reasons for that. What do you, what do you think are maybe a reason or two for why there's not a specific, and there's no right or wrong answer, because I don't know the answer for sure, but I have my opinion on that. I want to hear what you think. Yeah. I mean, that's a sort of interesting thought. Um, I know when my wife went to Israel several years ago, I guess the group that she went with, and I, I'm going to say the wrong number, but she said based on kind of the the geographical descriptions that you have, you know, like you're talking about the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. you're within about at least 100 feet of where Jesus actually was himself, which, again, I don't know how accurate that is. That's kind of what she learned when she was over there. Right. But to answer your question... I would probably assume, and I'm, you know, not an expert on ancient, you know, Israel, right. uh, you know, writings and whatnot, but I would assume that it's probably just the style. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm probably assuming that, you know, like let's take Matthew for example, when he writes his gospel, he knows that he's writing primarily to Jews. Uh, probably in Palestine. So when he's writing, he gets kind of vague on certain points and, you know, things like the traditions. He doesn't really take the time to explain what he's talking about. He just sort of mentions it in passing. And I think that could probably be applied to the geography details as well. It's almost as if Matthew mentions this you know, place and passing Mm. and a first century Jew is going to be like, oh yeah, I know exactly where he's talking about. And that would probably be my guess, but it's, it's interesting, you know, and kind of, uh, I'd imagine I've never been to Israel. I hope to go one day, but I'd imagine it's kind of fun to get over there. And obviously we don't want to apply too much imagination to the Bible, but in terms of seeing the physical spots, it's kind of fun to imagine, well, Jesus might've been leaning up against this tree when he was right. uh, sweat, sweating drops of blood, you know, and we of course can't pinpoint those things, but I think it's an interesting thought for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think something that that I noticed that was very, very apparent throughout was this idea of, you know, it's, it's, we understand that we are called to worship the creator, not the creation, um, that we are called to worship the miracle worker, not the location of the miracle itself. Um, and so when you go over there and you see, and, and I don't think it's a specific denomination or, religious affiliation. I think there's a few different ones that seem to, to, to pop up, and I'm not going to call anything out by name, but um, there is a tendency with some belief systems to want to put a lot of emphasis on tradition and location of, of certain things. Um, so you have the issue where there's certain aspects of the Bible that are 
that are vague in that they, you know, like I said, it talks about like, um, like at like the base of the Mount of Olives. Obviously, that's we can't know for sure that this one spot, this ten feet diameter, is where um, you're like the Garden of Gethsemane, where we can't say this is the tree where Jesus knelt down and, and prayed by him. Um, so we had an, an issue, or we had something happen. I believe it was in like the fourth or fifth century where a church came in, and they, because they didn't know exactly where these these locations were, they just decided like that's the spot. And so throughout the last 15, 1600 years, people have been going to that spot and worshiping that spot. Um, and so I saw a lot of, um, for example, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, they believe that uh, there's a lot of belief and scholarship and in, in otherwise that, that that is the location where Jesus was crucified. You go there now and it's a just gaudy, just behemoth of a building that is just filled with relics, with gold and silver hanging from the ceiling, just incense burning. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and then you see people quite literally on their, on their faces kissing like the tile. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, it's something that is, it's a little bit jarring. It's concerning. And I think that it's, it totally gets us away from, it gets us distracted. You know, you think about what happened potentially in this location. Um, and you think about the the splendor and the majesty and the glory of God and, and his grace that, that happened there. But now we're, we've made an idol out of this location, out of this building. Um, and so I think that was something that was, that, that kind of occurred to me was maybe one of the reasons why we do have some level of, of vagueness in these specifics in terms of not a, you know, within a few feet diameter is because we're not supposed to major in the minor right? The locations themselves are, are important because it gives us an idea of like, I mean, it's, it's historic. So much of the Bible yeah. is, is quite literally history. Obviously we have poetry and things like that. We have revelation, um, you know, which in, in prophecy and things like that as well. But so much of the Bible is historic. It's, this is what happened. And the beauty of something like the Bible is that the Bible is, is so unlike everything else and that it names places, it names people, it names things that, because they actually happen there in that time with this leader, with these rulers, with these people, um, that can be verified and, and validated. Yeah. Well, and one thing too, that you said, kind of made me think, you know, kind of on the whole topic of relics, that was a really bad problem. Um, early on in the Catholic church, you know, they taught that if you visited these holy sites, you know, you took pilgrimages and whatnot, you were basically accumulating merit for yourself mm. to take time off your sentence in purgatory. Right. And I, th I like that you call that out because it, it is so cool. And again, I haven't been there. Um, my wife has gone to Israel and she, she basically said the same thing. It is so awesome to get to go and you're reading about, you know, Golgotha and you can see it with your own two eyes or you can see the garden tomb or you can see the general mm -hmm. area where Jesus prayed or where he might have preached, you know, the Sermon on the Mount or where he right. walked on water potentially, right. where he got baptized, all these sorts of things. Um, but one thing that I'm kind of curious to know concerning these sites um, is how, in what way did getting to see these things impact you and how does it impact your faith? 
right. um, moving for, forward in, in a way that is not idolatrous, in a way that honors God? How do right. you think that getting to see these locations in person um, is going to impact your faith moving forward? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, kind of like I touched on, when you're reading about, you know, something in Scripture and you're reading about a miracle that took place, um, you know, for, I'll give you an example. So we were at the, um, and I'm going to botch the name of it, it's like the Pool of Siloam, um, and you hear about the uh, when the, the blind man and Jesus, you know, spits and with the mud and he puts it on his eyes and says, "Go, go wash your eyes at the pool of Siloam." And we're we're literally sitting at at that location at the pool, and you can see the the pool itself where this would have happened. Um, so get so reading this, the reading the Bible, and we're you know, and then pointing. Okay, it's literally right there, five feet in front of me. It it gives it a. It just it just adds that much more depth to it and richness to it. Where now, when I'm reading the Bible, I can envision if I'm thinking about the Sea of Galilee, I'm thinking about being in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and what I saw and what I envisioned. When you talk about the Sermon on the Mount and you know, Mount of Beatitudes, and I can see the rolling hills and I can envision how five thousand people could have fit on on this hill, um, you know, and, and it's right off the right off the water. So I can see how um, you know the because of, of the, the physics of sound and, you know, sonics and all that, how Jesus could speak and it could resound off of the water and 5,000 people could hear him, things like that. Um, it, it, it doesn't, it's one of those things where it, it just adds a lot of color to it. But I will say this, uh, kind of really the, the, the ultimate takeaway, I think, that, that I got from this entire experience was that, and I, I learned it pretty quickly, was that, that, God is as near to me, the Holy Spirit as is as within me, um, and I could have as deep communion with God sitting in my office in Fort Worth, Texas, as I can um, being on the Sea of Galilee. And I think that that's, while I would definitely say to anybody who has the opportunity to go to Israel, I would say absolutely take advantage of it if you can, um, because it, it really is a incredible experience. For those who are unable to go, um, take heart in knowing that you're you, that you're not going to get an, an additional dose of of faith or of confidence or trust or peace or closeness with God. It's a really cool thing to do, and it, it's it definitely makes you say, "Thank you, Lord, praise God." Um, but but being here, I've had, I mean, just in the last couple of days, just just being in my office and just saying, "Thank you, Lord." You know, as I'm going through the Bible and I'm reading it and I'm and I'm seeing it, and I can see these places. It just gives us it gives it more color. I think I think that's probably the best way I could say it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's basically how my wife, when she went over there, she just came back and, like you said at the beginning, she really couldn't put it into words. Uh, she actually had the opportunity to get baptized in the River Jordan. Yeah, I did as well. That was so. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, to get to do stuff like that. But she said the exact same, you know, it's hard to explain. You kind of have to go there. And to your point, people may not have the financial means or the time to go over in this life. If you belong to Jesus, you will get to see the new Jerusalem, which right. is going to be infinitely better right. than the one that we have today. But okay, so before we wrap yeah. up, I have to ask this because I'm just curious, and this may be a loaded question, so I apologize I that I didn't tell you ahead of time. What were your top three locations, mm. and briefly, why were the why those three 
rather than other sites that you, I know that's yeah, kind of no, 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 I love I'm, sure he, I'm sure you loved all of the, right. all the places you got to visit, but what were your top three and why those three places? Right. I'd say number one, um, overall, the one that sticks out most in my mind. And I think the one that'll be the most unforgettable is going to be the sea of Galilee. Um, that was the first day that I got there. That's what we did. We immediately went out on the boat. The weather was beautiful. The water was great, which is not always the case. And that water can get uh, pretty choppy. If you, uh, if you read the Bible, it can get a little dicey out there. Um, but it was, it was just a beautiful day. And I had the, the privilege to, uh, to lead worship at a, a few of these different sites. Um, and then, you know, so, so being able to, to be on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, leading God's people in, in worship and in the praise and exaltation of his name was something that I couldn't even, my mind wouldn't even let me process it. It was kind of just like, just, just be in the moment and process it later. And I still haven't yet. Um, but I think that's probably one of the coolest things that I'll ever do. So definitely the Sea of Galilee was one. The Dead Sea was pretty unforgettable just because of the, you know, you hear about floating in the Dead Sea. Um, yeah, that, that's literally what happens. I mean, it's, I, I was trying to hold myself up because the water was about up to my chest. So I was on my knees trying to hold myself up and it just kept like sliding me out. I just kept popping up. Um, it's pretty crazy, but a piece of advice, don't drink the water. Um, it will kill you. So don't, don't drink the water from the Dead Sea. It'll quite literally just take all the water out of every single organ in your body. Um, and you'll die probably a pretty, pretty horrible death. So um, the salt concentration is nothing to, to mess with, but welcome, welcome to Light and Lion, everyone. <laughs> right. You're not going <laughs> to get that advice by, anywhere else. Talking about death by ingesting incredibly salty water. That's exactly right. Um, I'd say that's probably the second place that was the probably the most unforgettable. Um, the Garden Tomb was was another one of those spots. We actually had the opportunity to to, to do communion um, at the Garden Tomb, which is. Again, it's one of those things where we don't know for certainty um, that that is the spot of, you know, of, of where the tomb was. But it doesn't really matter because it's, you know, when, you, when we're taking communion and we're thinking back on, on Jesus' blood and his body and the sacrifice that, that he made, the location, the physical geographic location doesn't really matter. Um, you know, it's, it's more about being able to envision, okay, here's a tomb, here's an empty tomb, and this is... Even if this is not the one, this is what it would would have looked like, um, and it gives you gives you color in your in your head and adds a little bit of, of spice to that. Um, well, I also think too that there's probably not a whole lot of empty tombs, right, or ancient empty right. tombs around Jerusalem. So right. I think, I mean, like I said, I'm I'm no archaeologist and I don't know for sure, but I would, I think it's pretty fair to reason that it very likely is the authentic you know, spot, because like I said, how many, how many in- empty tombs do you think that there are? Uh, cause those are something that had to be purchased and very unlikely that's people purchased something that they ended up not using. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. For themselves, so. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's the, the biggest thing I have a kind of a, a challenge to the listener as we wrap up here. Um, the one thing that I, that kind of broke my heart as I was there is it's a very segregated city. Um, and there's a lot of division like there is obviously anywhere else. And we see a lot of division in our country as well. Um, there's a lot of, of hatred and vitriol. And obviously a lot of people that really don't, don't like Jesus very much. Um, you know, you see the, the Orthodox, you know, the, the Jewish community, obviously they're very against anything that has to do with Yeshua, the Messiah. You see the, on the other side of Jerusalem, you have a very heavy Islamic community. 
and then even the Christian community community that is in Jerusalem specifically, it's very Eastern Orthodox, uh, Catholicism heavy, and there's really not a a very prominent presence of Bible believing Christians um, that 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 take the Word of God as at face value, sola scriptura, um, and, and base their life around that and share the gospel of Christ based on what the Bible says. Um, and, and there's a, it's just a very beautiful people, but a very lost people, um, being at the wailing wall and seeing people recite these, you know, from their books and yelling it out. And you read about the Pharisees that stand on the street corners and yell these things out, getting to see that firsthand, you know, at the wailing wall was, you know, I mean, these people are just, they're, they're, they have a veil over their eyes. I would, I would challenge the listener to a couple things. One, um, pray for ultimately for their salvation, pray for the people over there, um, you know, all, all the people there. And then two, pray that God would send faithful men and women um, over there to, to be that light uh, to those, to those people. Um, I think that's all I have. Any, uh, any final thoughts uh, from, from your end? No, um, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed getting to hear about the trip and uh, your experience over there. And I hope that this was a beneficial time for the listeners as well. And, um, you know, it is something, like you said, that would be awesome for any one of us to get to experience. But I think it's also just as edifying to know someone who has been over there and can kind of bring back the report, so to speak. Right, um, right. What it's, what it's like to, you know, see where Jesus lived uh, during his earthly ministry. But really enjoyed the time, Dakota, so thanks for sharing all that. Uh, for our listeners, again, if you guys have not already subscribed to us on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts, please make sure to do so. That way you get notified anytime we come out with a new episode. Lately, we have kind of been here and there. Uh, Dakota was out of the country. I had COVID, <laughs> so our release schedule has been a little bit all over the place. We're back. So, it, yeah, we're back, and hopefully we're going to be posting a little bit more consistently. But either way, make sure you follow us on those platforms so you get the notification every time that we launch a new episode. Again, we're going to be resuming our critical question series here in the next few weeks, so we're really looking forward to that, and we hope that you guys will consider joining us. Until then, continue growing in knowledge to the glory of God. We'll see you all next time.